episode is brought to you by the ASIAL Go app, free and exclusive to ASIAL members. Find the latest security industry news, updates, events, publications, resources, and much more. Simply go to your app store and search for ASIAL Go to install. In this episode of the ASIAL Security Insider podcast, we present the first in a series of podcasts we recorded at the ISC West show in Las Vegas. For those who aren't aware, ISC West is the largest security show and conference in the US, which takes place in Las Vegas at the end of March each year. This series of podcasts, which we'll present over the next month, includes interviews with some of the leading practitioners and thinkers in the security space across the US, covering a range of topics including system integration, cybersecurity, challenges around physical and cybersecurity convergence, how to create a more profitable security business model, and so on. In this episode, we catch up with Jeff Cole, Senior Director of Marketing for the Security Industry Association, the US equivalent of ASIAL, to discuss trends and challenges in the US security industry, how those trends and challenges are mirrored by the Australian market, and what is being done in the US to address and manage many of those trends and challenges. We're also joined by Soren Norgard, Event Director of the Australian Security Expo, taking place in Sydney in August later this year. Uh, Soren has a great deal of experience on the integration side of things. He also manages the Integrate event and brings some interesting thoughts to this discussion. Jeff, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for agreeing to be our guest. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. And Soren, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. It's a little bit weird that we're uh, talking to each other in a room on the other side of the world. Normally, it's uh, somewhere in Australia. That is true. But uh, yeah, now it's great to be here and good to see uh, the security industry on a global level. So, Jeff, for those people who aren't familiar with the Security Industry Association, uh, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. So we are a trade association for the companies that deliver security value. So we have about 1,360 members uh, as of today. Uh, these are companies that manufacture or develop security solutions, um, uh, primarily in the physical security space, but also in the cybersecurity world of it. Uh, we also have a strong contingency of companies that are the security integrators, the companies that are delivering the solutions out to the market. So, um, and, and all the other different businesses, right? All the different service providers, consulting firms, Terms, monitoring providers. It's really the business ecosystem um, uh, of, uh, if of the U.S. market here. And, and we provide a lot of value. What we try to do is provide value for our members through education and learning and development, uh, growing the workforce, trying to attract talent for the industry, um, uh, market the industry um, uh, for it, as well as develop standards and other you know, technology sort of focused uh, reports and best practices uh, for it, as well as very active in, uh, in advocacy, public affairs here in the U.S. Okay. And so for people who are listening to this now, we're, we're at the ISC West show in Las Vegas, which is one of the largest security trade shows, not just in North America, but in the world. And SIA run the education part, <coughs> pardon me, a part of that show. So on the back of organizing the education stream, you obviously go through and look at a lot of content and look at issues that are happening around the industry and things like that. So I guess given that North America acts as a bit of a crystal ball to some degree for things that could then trickle down on into the rest of the world, what are, what are some of the biggest trends that you're seeing in the North American security market right now? 
Oh, all right. So let's let's jump into that. And first of all, yeah, thanks for coming over. It's it's great to have you guys here in Nevada Hi, with this it's a show. Um, it's what makes it so great is you know bringing everyone together here. And uh, but let's, yeah, so let's talk about some of the challenges. Maybe we'll jump into those. Um, so one of the issues that we're facing right now, and I don't know how you guys are feeling it over there in Australia, is the workforce issue, right? Yeah. Um, so. You know, had a lot of had a lot of conversations with our, especially with our integrator members, in terms of finding the talent that they need to be able to grow their business. Lead technicians, especially, are you guys facing that as well? Absolutely. And are you are you finding that's been exacerbated coming out of COVID because people have moved on into other related industries? Ah, it's been yeah, absolutely. So so what's interesting is it's you know I mean formerly this might have been a, a blue collar type of work, right? Of, of you know ladders and that sort of thing. And yes, it still is. You have to do that, but then you have to switch and pull up a laptop and in front of you and code and program these systems right afterwards so it's it's no longer a, a single skill set and then you hand it off to someone who has to know the other skill set you really have to know both of those and it, yeah it's it's much more challenging um it was it was challenging before covid so i don't want to get that wrong but it's it's definitely become uh, harder since then you know i you know we're we're a very uh sort of lean in terms of the unemployment numbers these days so yeah uh, yeah and for those people listening, it's interesting to note that Soren not only sits across the security show, but also Integrate, which is the audio-visual show. Mm -hmm. And so for you, Soren, are you finding that there are similar issues happening across the audio-visual side of things in the integration space, difficulties getting technicians? and Absolutely. I think it's across all sort of system integrations. Um, you know, it's, it's become... Um, very much a race on you know who can attract the best talent and you know obviously that affects salaries um, a lot of poaching going on between integrators and consultants and what have you um, and then there's you know the entry into the industry you know the the formal education and how do we get young people not just males but females in into the industry and, and broaden that talent pool that's a great point and that's something we've been working on as well is just trying to change the uh, the diverse structure of the industry right uh, we've got some couple great programs and we're trying to do this so one is the foundation for advancing security talent uh, that we stood up with uh, a partner organization the esa electronic security association another trade association here in the u.s um, and really trying to shape the, uh, the future of the workforce through that group and then within sia we have our rise community young professional group um, it does a lot of outreach to colleges. We have our CEO Women in Security Forum, right? Trying to change the uh, the structure of this industry and make it more appealing to everyone because it's a great industry. It's a, it, you know, just great jobs and you know, great mission. So. so, with the Rising Stars program that you're running, I mean, I'd like to know more about that because one of the things that we're obviously trying to tackle in Australia is how do we attract more people into the industry across the board? And one of those things is college and school leavers. So what sorts of things are you doing to try and address that? Well, so I, you know, with the RISE community, one of the first things that happens, right, is is you see a community of young professionals in the industry. And I, and I got into this industry when I was in my 20s, um, and, and I, I couldn't see that mirrored, right, in the industry then. Um, so I think now there's a community of those young professionals here at SIA. So when someone looks at the industry, they see a young, diverse group, and they see okay this is the kind of place where i can see myself right so that helps mm -hmm. um I, the other thing we're doing is is reaching out to colleges universities trade schools and going to ones that might not have always uh, been recognized um uh, so we've reached out to historically black colleges and universities including those in the deep south ones that might not have been reached out to to uh, that have incredible talent and very driven folks to come into the industry um that again it's it's, it's an awareness thing a lot of times so 
Yeah. yeah. And when you're reaching out to them, what kinds of, uh, I suppose, initiatives are you running? Uh, okay. So we do a few things. So sometimes we'll uh, bring them to the industry to, to see the shows. Um, uh, another thing that we've done is mentorship. So um, within our RISE community, there's a program called TIME, Talent, Inclusion, uh, Mentorship, and Education. Um, and we pair folks who are just real, leader, real leaders in the industry with young professionals who are, and sometimes students who are wanting to make their make this their home. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. And then on the other side of things, obviously one of the other challenges that we're experiencing in Australia, and I touch on this because it sounds like you're having a similar problem here, is in the guarding and professional services side of the industry. We found during COVID, because a lot of the live venues were shut down for a particular period of time, and a lot of the sporting and entertainment industries and, and various parts of the, the sector that used guards, it's very hard to get a lot of those people back into the industry again. Are you experiencing a similar sort of thing? We do see it. And there's obviously, I don't know how your experience is, but a lot of turnover, right? If you do, yeah. how, how do you retain them, right? And how do you help them grow? I mean, I think that's another opportunity there. I mean, it's, is that, you know, come maybe coming through the guarding side, right? Uh, but then is there a path forward into maybe the technology services side or, you know, corporate security management? So I think... We've done some work with some different groups. Um, ASIS International is one group we've worked with on doing some um, uh, career pathways research um, to help show folks the, the path of growth in this industry. So, Because if you can't keep them around, you're always going to have that problem of, of, of filling those positions. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did a podcast uh, the other day with a couple of the guys who were presenting here around turning data into usable insights out of a lot of the security systems and walking around on the show floor it's quite evident that more and more people are focusing on artificial intelligence and data-driven systems and bio, uh, yeah, uh, video analytics and all the rest of it but that means there's another gap that's starting to emerge in the market which is data scientists and people who are IT qualified that can program things like SQL databases and things like that how are you as an association helping the industry to address those sorts of shortfalls? Well, so in the data side, there's a few things that we're working on. So you know, one is, yeah, we are absolutely moving to a data-driven organization, right? And companies that have that data tend to you know, receive more value uh, in this industry. So there's a couple of things we look at. One is, is the data privacy standpoint and how are we using that data ethically? In fact, it was named one of our top megatrends for 2023 was the ethical and safe use of data and technology. So as we become a more data-driven organization and bring all this data together, how are we protecting it? How are we using it for good? Uh, so that's one of the things we've done quite a bit. Um, the other element is is really just awareness of of the industry as as a place for great cyber talent and great programming talent it's not hard it's not i'm sorry it's not easy though it is incredibly yeah. hard um uh, it is one of the biggest pain points you know for a lot of our member companies is hiring hiring programmers hiring application developers um i wish i could say that it's easy and we've cracked the code on that um you know we've heard you know from some companies that you know with some of the tech layoffs that have happened in the, here in the u.s and i don't know if you're going through that same thing or thing as well uh that's eased it just a little bit but certainly has not even come close to solving the problem there um, so a lot of it's just getting the awareness out there, but it's it's again it's not a it's not an easy problem to solve. Yeah, I, I guess that's the uh, you know the the overarching challenge, isn't it? Because our society now is very tech driven across so many sectors, yeah. and we're all competing for the same talent. We are, and it's not just the security industry. Every industry is moving into this sort of data driven telematics sort of space. So. Mm. Yeah, and it seems more and more across a lot of 
corporate and large organisations now, the security department is starting to exist within the IT department. And so you're seeing more of that crossover and convergence. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that the, the convergence happening now. And, and, and I think there's really sort of three models that have come up, right? One is where they're still very separated, uh, but there's some informal relationships that have just happened because, you know, uh, maybe the physical security team has more cyber talent or IT talent within it, um, and they just you know, speak the same language, um, and that's okay. I, I think the the better two models are one when they, when they if they're separate sort of departments and manage, but they have very structured you know relationships for information sharing. I think that's very important, or that they fully converge, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's some value. Now there's clear value in those, right? Uh, to have teams to work together to either source technology or ensure that the technologies are safe. Um, Obviously, you never want your your security solutions, which are all network devices, IoT devices, to become the threat vector to for someone to access your corporate network. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you had sort of uncovered or or written on the twenty twenty three mega trends in security. Let's talk a little bit about those. What are some of the things that you've discovered? Uh, okay, sure. So, um, so I mean, we we've done this for about seven years. We issued a report every December uh, on on the top mega trends. Um, I'll hit through some of them uh, real quickly. Um, some obvious ones. We've talked a little bit about cybersecurity. We touched a little bit about the artificial intelligence. Those are number one and number two mm -hmm. um, on there. Uh, workforce development was ranked third this year, which is probably why I brought it up earlier. It is such a big issue, right? It's not a technical issue, you know, but it is a workforce issue. Um, one of the interesting things that I think we're seeing right now, and I don't know how you guys feel, or if you're seeing it in the Australian market as well, is what we call the elimination of boundaries. Um, and really how security is no longer a peer play in security anymore, right? But the, the security solutions that you're buying are, are perhaps have a business purpose, right? And maybe it's the obvious ones of the, the heat mapping and cameras to help identify, you know, are you getting good traffic to your store, that sort of thing. Um, uh, I've seen some incredible <laughs> uh, AI out there on that are, uh, uh, that are able to detect um, uh, spills or leaks, right? Yeah. It, within the video, right? So, I mean, that's, yeah, yes, it is a safety issue, right? It could be a slip and fall, but also it could be a building damage issue, right? If, mm -hmm. if the damage to a building. So, um, yeah, I think those sort of eliminations of boundaries are happening. You're seeing some big deals in the industry here. So, you know, ADT and, um, and State Farm. Uh, we've seen the solar business, right? Uh, NRG bought Vivint, which had created a solar business, ADT's in the solar business. You're seeing a lot of mixing of the space. Um, and, and I think when people come to market now, you know, they're looking for that, what we call the return on security, right? It's, yeah. Yes, you're securing your, your people, your assets, your corporation, but you're providing some other operational vi business value as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's an important one for a lot of the security managers to understand is that it makes it a lot easier to build a business case for security system upgrades if you're able to use those upgrades to take your what was traditionally seen as a cost centre within the organisation and make it more of a profit centre, something that actually helps generate revenue for the organisation through the various departments like marketing or operations or HR or whatever it may be. That's absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right, yeah. Now, you mentioned before when you were talking about some of the megatrends, one of the things that you were looking at was AI and cybersecurity, which is interesting because that dovetails in with something you mentioned earlier around discussions that you'd been having around privacy and the challenges around privacy, especially with AI. How is SIA helping the industry tackle some of these privacy challenges? 
Uh, good questions. All right, so I'm, I'm really excited to answer that question. So SIA has done a lot of work um, in terms of providing principles. So uh, it was probably two, three years ago we came out with a facial recognition principles for law enforcement, for example. Um, uh, obviously, facial recognition is in the spotlight and often criticized. Um, and, and, and we want to make sure that that can be used correctly, appropriately, that the data is, is used and it's not you know, used for ill, but always used for, for value. So we've pr produced a lot of guidelines for privacy principles for facial recognition. We've followed that up with um, uh, uh, data privacy uh, codes of conduct and guidelines, um, including general ones about how do you look at data and how do you, what are the big picture questions you could you should ask about uh, as you kind of examine your data privacy policy. And then we've also sort of followed that up with a like a data privacy code of conduct specific for video surveillance systems since they can generate so much data and and uh, bring in together so much information. And are those policies uh, publicly available? And if so, where? They all are, yeah. They're all on the SIA website, securityindustry.org. 100% um, open. We want everyone to adopt them um, and, and, and grow them. We know they are not static documents. Um, uh, policies will evolve. Frameworks will evolve. Yeah. Well, look, that's... It's interesting you mentioned that because, and Soren, you feel free to jump in at any point in time, but we've just had the Privacy Commissioner in Australia um, hand down a whole bunch of stuff around facial recognition because there have been some issues and challenges within the gaming sector around how people are using privacy or how people are using facial recognition and also in the retail sector with a couple of big retail chains around how they're using it, what they're storing, what they're doing with it. And, and one of the differences we're seeing is in the gaming sector, it's an opt-in issue where people are saying, I want to opt into your facial recognition to self-exclude from gaming venues if I'm a problem gambler, as opposed to the retail sector where they're saying, no, we want to make sure that we're aware of potential problems before they're walking in. Uh, I mean, what sorts of things are included in your privacy policy because this might be a good roadmap for what we're doing in Australia because I worry that the BIPA uh, issues that you had here in uh, America and remind me, what does BIPA stand for? I can't remember the actual, it was the Biometric Implementation something or other. Privacy Act, yeah. yeah, that's right. So that came in in the early 2000s, around 2008, didn't it? Back when people, if I'm correct, incorrect, correct me on any of this, but it came in around 2008 when the government didn't quite yet understand biometrics and their applications and their uses, and it caused all sorts of problems and messes leading right through until the early 2020s when it was eventually addressed and, and corrected in many places. I'm worried that what we're seeing with facial recognition in Australia is going to have the same challenge. So there's a lot of legislation, very active. And so, you know, in, here in the U.S., the BIPA legislation was in Illinois. Um, and, and we've seen similar legislation proposed. Um, and our, we have a, a, a government relations team based out of Washington, D.C. that um, works on this issue and works on it at the federal level. But a lot of these bills are at the state level here in the U.S. Um, and, and I wish I could say that it's, you know, gone away for the industry. It creates a lot of complex issues. Um, uh, for companies that have, you know, that capture biometric information within their solutions. Um, we, we really would love to see a national framework. So, you know, obviously as, within our 1,300 plus members, um, these are companies that are doing business across the U.S. And, and often globally. It's really hard to follow a patchwork of state regulations, right? Um, uh, when you need really more national standards, national frameworks around the, the guidelines there. So that's that's kind of been our message on in terms of, 
of that. We do think that, you know, a, a healthy uh, a framework is healthy for that side of the industry. Um, it codifies things and allows, you know, growth, growth can happen once you have a structure. Yeah. yeah. So with regard to some of the trends and challenges that you're seeing out on the show floor or some of the trends you're seeing on the show floor this year, what sorts of things are you noticing? Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'd probably say that one of the things that's been really important is the, um, it, it goes back to the, really the artificial intelligence in, in video surveillance, um, the proliferation of these, you know, these algorithms that can do so much these days. Um, it's really moved from sort of a promise that it was two, three years ago to um, there's actually very specific, you know, markets and applications for these now. Um, so that's really exciting to see where that's going to go. Um, one of the big topics, um, and it's, it's, you know, it's number why it's why our number one megatrend is cybersecurity, right? Are yeah. the products you're buying, are they, are they, are they cyber secure? Are they sourced from the correct vendors? You know, can you trust your suppliers? Um, how are they man? How are those devices managed? Right. Um, we have seen such an incredible proliferation of sensors, right? So many more cameras on networks, so many more devices. Um, that's incredible for our industry, right? It gives more data, it gives us better ability to manage security and protect people, but also becomes a lot of endpoints to protect themselves. So um, uh, companies that can do that kind of protection or that have that those capabilities built in, I think is an interesting topic that people are looking at while they're you know, on the show floor viewing products and making selections. Soren, you're right in the in the throes of organising the Security Expo show for this year. Are you seeing similar sorts of trends in the kinds of organisations that are joining the expo across artificial intelligence and cybersecurity and those sorts of areas? Yeah, I would say that, you know, obviously on a smaller scale than ISC West, but um, it is a smaller market in Australia as well, but the, the trends are sort of going hand in hand with what we're seeing over here. And, um, you know, to your point there before, Jeff, uh, around, you know, IoT and the weakest link, I mean, there's a lot of focus around that, not just for the security industry, but also in integration in general. Um, and that is definitely a trend um, we're seeing at the, the show in Australia. Yeah, I think it's interesting for me because obviously artificial intelligence was just starting to come to the fore prior to COVID. And it's it's following a similar arc to a lot of things. I remember back in 2014 here at ISC West, you would walk around and home automation was becoming the big thing. And then for five years, it sort of went through an arc where it became huge. Then everyone was doing something around home automation and then it became normalised. And I think just prior to COVID, when you started coming across to this show and you looked at artificial intelligence... It was the buzzword and everyone was trying to get on the AI bandwagon. You know, it was almost AIBS at one point where people were saying, you know, artificially intelligent doorbells. And it's like, really? Is your doorbell really artificially intelligent? But I think that's starting to settle down now where a lot of that stuff is disappearing from the industry. It's starting to find its sea legs and people are understanding what artificial intelligence really means. And, and there's a, a, and I suppose starting to understand genuinely understand the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning because they're definitely not the same thing well you know different scales right within within that product development yep. but i mean yeah i think when you and you, you mentioned a word automation right so that's really what we're seeing right now any task that can be repeated um, and so that's i think that's why you're seeing it in the video world right now 
it's it's recognition, recognition from objects, recognition of motion in certain areas, and yeah, it's it's on different scales from things you you might sort of think, well, is that more of an analytic, and or is that more AI? In in some cases, as is, as it's the difference between a uh, <laughs> as the joke goes between uh, difference between uh, ones in a PowerPoint and ones in Python, right? So, yeah. um, so it's. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, you've got an incredible just amount of, of things that can be repeated, right? And so if it's repeatable, we're going to automate it, right? Just like we do in our daily lives. Um, yeah. And so, and I think that's the that's the overall trend that's you know underlying artificial intelligence. It's how do we automate these tasks, right? One of, one of the observations I've made um, walking the show floor for the last couple of days here is, um, I suppose, really the emergence of. Um, autonomous deployment, you know, be that robotics, drones, that sort of thing. Do you think we're just seeing the emergence of, you know, the takeover by, by robotics compared to a physical security component? Um, so personally, I think we have a long way to go. Um, and actually I had this conversation, we have a autonomous solutions working group within SIA. Um, robotics, drones companies, uh, companies that are doing artificial intelligence and specifically is applied to that. And even them, all right, we, I, I asked them this question. I said, where are we on that bell curve of adoption? Oh, and they, they, they were right at the start of it, you know. Yeah. That's where we are. And I think that's what we'll be within, you know, the next three to five years. But I do think we'll start to, to see some real adoption. Again, it's going to be those, those tasks that can be automated, right? Is it going to replace the security officer? Mm, probably not. But what are the parts of the security officer's jobs that, that perhaps could be automated by some of those functions that could free them up to do more complex mm-hmm. um, uh, applications? Is it is it you know maybe just you know going and doing badge val- validations? Is it is it uh, is there some ability of of automating uh, visitor management tasks like this or doing some of the, the just the visual tours right? How do you do that? And then the human who has so much intelligence right? How do you then mm. you can better apply that? Yeah, I think a lot of that will come down to as well being able to help rationalise resource allocation. Um, we did a podcast uh, earlier this year with one of the, uh, the security experts in Australia, a gentleman by the name of Neil Fergus, who's responsible for helping with the coordination, planning and security overlays for things like the Olympics, the Commonwealth Games, the World Rugby Finals and, and all these sorts of things. And to tie back to the point that we were discussing at the beginning of this podcast about challenges around finding staff within the industry, he was saying that one of the things as an industry in Australia, and I imagine it's the same here, we're going to have to get a lot better at, is figuring out ways to manage, monitor and and execute a lot of the tasks with less people. And I think that's where the robotics drones and, and other challenges that you're talking about and trends are going to come into it and help us, you know, develop situations where once upon a time I might have needed four guards or five guards, but now I can rationalize that down to two guards because I'm using these other devices to help offload some of those challenges and tasks. That ties right back into our workforce discussion at the beginning, right? If you mm-hmm. if you can't find the the talent, right? You're going to have to automate that. And that ties back into the, the AI applications within video, right? How do you can, you know, automate, you know, some of the detection in, within video, right? I mean, yeah, you know, look, we're not really putting people in front of banks of camera, of, of monitors anymore and haven't been for a long time. So yeah. doesn't mean we, we're not trying to get intelligence out of those video streams though. Yeah. Well, look, Jeff, thank you very much for your time. It's been great chatting with you. Soren, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Great. I could be here. And if, uh, if people want to know more about the SIA, where do they go? Uh, so come on and over to our website, uh, securityindustry.org, and, and certainly invite anyone to uh, 
attend the ISC West uh, show, which again uh, next year, 2024, in April. Um, and of course, the ISC East show, which we do in New York uh, in November each year. And for the ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are listening to this, there is also a fantastic education component that runs with the show every year. If you jump onto the ISC West or the ISC websites, just do a Google search on those, you'll see all the great speakers there. Everyone from former chief information officers at the White House presenting through to experts in their field and all sorts of other great stuff. But uh, gentlemen, thank you again for your time. And ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to joining you on the next podcast.